Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by Dave Ubbin, as always, on Thursday's Pick Show, and another good buddy of ours, Chris Vanini from The Athletic. How are you doing today, Chris? Good, man. We haven't seen each other in a few weeks. I actually had some free time last night, and I was like, I got to call Chris and see if he wants to get dinner. Um, but then it's just like rush hour and everything. I would have just taken too long. So I'm not I'm not going anywhere. My wife's coming back from COVID, so still around. I had I had oh, almonds and there's an almond in my beard. Okay, <laughs> Dave, how are we doing today? It's almond is, I know, a very uh, normal thing to eat. I know you probably have like live snake venom in your cup next to you, but how are we doing? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm actually not a huge uh, almonds guy. I do have some. <laughs> I do Bucky's. like fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do have some Bucky's candied cashews in my kitchen that I will probably be partaking in. Oh, after the candied game. cashews are good. Shout the ones that are my, under the heat lamp. Shout out to my guy Bucky the Beaver over here. I don't know where he's at. I what is it about nuts beaver. under a lamp that just makes them crush better? Like I don't well, know. So like here, the quick, not to go immediately off the rails. No, we, we got we got to go back on the rails here. But <laughs> but I thought for a while that I liked the nuts warmer, so I put them in the oven at like one seventy five for like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I quickly learned that I actually like them cold. <laughs> We've lost Sorry, We've lost For Sorry. those not watching on YouTube, Ari has left the screen. You put nuts? <laughs> God, man. Dude, my number one feedback from the producer was get into the show faster, and you come out here telling me you put <laughs> nuts in your Ari, oven it's you a delicacy that you get in public you don't recreate it at home you don't yes, put you almonds do. from you the literally. freaking chip aisle into the oven what are you doing Cashews. you're a They're psycho not. you're a psychopath <laughs> nobody does this nobody i i, I kind of want to try it i kind of want to try it now though he said it backfired from bucky's Yes, well, they're incredible. It, I don't. It didn't. It didn't backfire. I just figured out that I actually like them room temperature more, so I don't do it anymore. But I did it for a long time. <laughs> Thank you for joining the latest edition of Until Saturday's Week Nine Pick Show. Uh, we are live on YouTube now. Um, <laughs> you might have heard us laughing uh, on the show on uh, when it goes into the feed on Friday, or if our editor doesn't um, edit it out. But I've never in my entire life met a human being like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, be sure to follow the podcast and app where you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the until Saturday feed on YouTube. Be sure you join us live every Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. Thursday is the pick show. Saturday is the live reaction show. And Sunday is Sunday sound off where you can leave your voicemails and we play them on the show. If you'd like to do that, uh, the phone number is 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. Um, Power Hour will also be streaming live this week. Um, for the college football playoff rankings uh, reveal on Tuesday evening. It begins next week. Can you believe we're already at that point in the season? Uh, the podcast will also publish Tuesday nights once those rankings are revealed. Obviously, um, I'm going to try to foist my way onto that show, Chris, if you'll let me, because you two don't care about the sanctity of the rankings reveal because you want everybody in, and I'm the only one <laughs> who actually we're, likes we're to We're going to have those. to talk about the um, teams. We're gonna have to, and, and not the format. We're not. It bothers there yet. me that like we're the last year of the show, and like I love it, and I'm like obsessed with um, like the debate, and like you guys don't care, and like you get to do it. But we're gonna talk about it because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna miss the rankings reveal. 
That's going to be the thing I miss the most. It'll still be there, Ari. Yeah, I know, but I'm not going to like miss debating whether or not like the 19th best team can can get their way in. Um, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you'll get your daily fill of college football news right into your inbox. Um, the links and everything that we've described can be found in both shows' descriptions. If you are signed up for the podcast but you want to watch us on YouTube, you can find it there. If you're watching us on YouTube and want to listen to the podcast in your car, you can find it there. Please rate, review, thumbs up, share, comment, participate. Anything that you can do to help the show's growth is greatly appreciated. Uh, this is the week, the the weekly pick show. We are going to get into lines. All the lines that we will present to you are brought to you by BetMGM. But first, there are two major news stories that are out there right now that we want to cover a little bit first. Uh, why don't we start with Michigan State to give people a breather from the Michigan stuff that's been going on for the past two weeks or week. Um, and we have the perfect expert here to talk about it, Chris. Uh, what's the latest with Michigan State, and what can you offer our audience that has nothing to do with uh, perfect temperatures for almond roasting? <laughs> yeah, this uh, Mel Tucker Michigan State stuff is not going to go away for quite a bit. Uh, on uh, it came out Wednesday that uh, the investigation, the hearing officer, found that he uh, violated the sexual uh, harassment policy that. The preponderance of evidence more likely supported Brenda Tracy's claims than Mel Tucker's claims. Uh, he, he apparently failed to provide documents or witnesses that supported his side while Brenda Tracy did. Uh, MSU has not released the report yet. USA Today got it from Brenda Tracy's lawyer, but they won't release it anymore because Mel Tucker has 10 days to appeal. And he released a statement on Thursday that he will appeal and possibly sue the university. So this fight is going to continue uh, over Mel Tucker and the policy and MSU trying to fire him uh, for cause so they don't owe him tens of millions of dollars. So that's still floating around in the background among many other things going on at Michigan State. Yeah, we'll obviously be kept abreast by you as we continue to move forward with all of that. It's kind of a sticky situation. I think it is kind of interesting that it is happening right now during a time in which people are less concerned about it than they would have been had Michigan stuff not been happening. Um, obviously the uh, discussion of sexual assault and things of that nature are far more serious than recording sidelines signs. But, you know, as it pertains to the competitive equity of the sport and cheating and all those things, that is a, a big interest thing, especially from a team that's competing for a national championship. Um, the Washington post released a pretty damning story on Wednesday evening outlining more things that Michigan has been accused of or proven of doing. I think we are at the point now where we are past whether or not they have broken the rules of how they attained these signs. And now we're getting to the point of how elaborate was the scheme, um, how impactful was the information that they got, um, and how much could they have used that information during the course of the past few seasons in order to help win football games that they might have not otherwise won. Dave, what was your big main takeaway from Wednesday evening. I know you're at Dollywood um, <laughs> eating pig's feet or whatever the hell you were doing out there. And you know, you might've missed it when it came out, but you know, what do you think of that? I mean, I think it's just more incremental. I, I think that, that the information in that report makes it hard to believe that there weren't a good chunk of people in the program that knew where this was coming from. Um, you know, I know we can debate the merits of how much it matters who knew and who knew when and for how long and all of that stuff. They clearly did break the rules. Um, but I think we're still sort of peeling the onion of who knew what and, and how, uh, 
not to make light of the situation, but like how deep the rabbit hole does go here um, in terms of the scope within the staff, um, all of those things. So I, I have a lot of questions as well of how they got access to Michigan's computers and who was funding this outside law firm. And there's a lot of there's a lot of questions here that that were posed by that story. But ultimately, you're getting to the 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 middle of this story, closer to it at least. And it doesn't look great for Michigan. Yeah. So I posted a tweet on Wednesday evening after the Washington Post story came out that I thought was rather obvious. Um, But I do think that there is an interesting dichotomy on at least Michigan Twitter. If you have a yellow M uh, on your Twitter feed or in your bio, you are processing this information much differently than the rest of the country. And I think that it's interesting kind of look into how fandom kind of impacts your ability to look straight into a situation and kind of come away with the same takeaway as everybody else. Uh, but also too, uh, when you watch people try to defend their program, um, it is very interesting to see like what kind of defenses they can come up with. And sometimes even makes you think a little bit more about your stance if you are, you know, on the other side of it, but here's the tweet that I posted, Chris, and I want to know what your takeaway was. It, it had half a million views and you were like laughing before the show about it. And I didn't really quite understand why, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So let me just paraphrase or or read this quickly. The notion that everything hinges on whether Jim Harbaugh knew about this sign-stealing scheme is interesting to me. One, how could he not know? Two, even if he somehow didn't, wouldn't he, as the coach, feel he has the best info in the history of football sign-stealing and ask where it came from? If my wife came home with a duffel bag filled with $100,000, I'd ask where it came from. If I came home with $100,000, she'd probably ask me who, where it came from from me. I'm not married to Karen Hill here, okay? She would just People say congrats want to, to the Jets, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she would be like, hey, did, did Liberty cover on Tuesday? No, I wish it was that. So my goal in life is to bet that much. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, three, is being the leader of the program and not knowing about a cheating ring worse than being involved from the beginning? Uh, four, Connor Stallions has been around this program for years. This isn't a two-month thing. It isn't a six-week thing. How could the CEO of the program employ someone engaged in this behavior for years and not know particularly when that human being is standing on the sideline with enough paper to reopen a Kinko's and feeding calls or at least information into the coordinator's ears? Lastly, what do Michigan supporters even hope for right now? Because I don't think Jim Harbaugh didn't know is the get-out-of-jail-free card that everybody thinks it is. Chris, reaction? Is it, I, I think it's obvious, but what is your reaction to this? So the Washington Post story was the first thing out of all of this to indicate there is a decent chance of widespread knowledge or, or, or knowledge that it goes beyond Stallings. To, for, for this information to come from supposedly a computer drive or computer drives that were accessible by Michigan coaches makes you wonder, did they come across it? Did they see it? Did everybody know it was in there? The other part of this, which we'll have to talk about at some point, is that it was a law firm, apparently, an investigative firm that put forward this information to the NCAA, said, hey, we've got all this stuff. That means, likely, somebody had access to this, and this firm got yeah, I got it. I don't think they illegally hacked into it. So I don't know if there's a, a mole or a whistleblower or, or something. That means somebody knew about this. And instead of just going to the NCAA and say, hey, Michigan is cheating, they got all the information and proof that they could before they did. And so that's 
you know, that's what makes you think this could go faster than normal because they apparently have a lot of information if the Washington Post. Because it cuts the, the, the length of the investigation time down. If you yes. have accumulated the information before you have the crime, then what are we doing here? Now, I think that the most interesting dynamic to this whole thing, Dave, um, is in the number one question that we have been getting, if you're on a radio show or you hear it on Twitter or whatever, is how do you think that this is going to end? Like what is going to happen to Jim Harbaugh and all of those questions. But the thing that is interesting about that is there are interesting questions that need to be answered before you could even come close to answering that. Like what did Jim Harbaugh know? What was the extent of his involvement in this? How much information um, were they using in their game plans? If he knew, did he continue to sign off on the use of it? All these things that come into play in terms of like how Michigan was involved in this, in the leadership, the people who are making the real money on the sidelines, how do they employ it? I don't know how you can completely, like everyone's like Michigan's cooked. It's like, okay, if you think that that's fine, but don't you kind of have to get coaches and the head coach on the hook a little bit more? And maybe that's what these hard drives are going to show, but we don't have the answers to those big questions, which was did like Jim Harbaugh sign off on a cheating ring? Like that to me is well, like a big, right. it, one it's last thing too, Dave, real quick. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. The difference that I want to make a distinction to is like the difference between sign stealing and competitive advantage and cheating, 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 cheating. Cause those users are being, those words are being used interchangeably and I don't think yes. they're the same thing. They're not competitive advantage. And it's not are even they, blurred, are it's they, clear lines. Are they cheating? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Now, this is complicated because I think we ask, you know, what what's going to happen? I think there's a, that's a two-pronged question because it's what's going to happen to Jim Harbaugh and what's going to happen to Michigan. Right. With Jim Harbaugh, there was already a lot of smoke that like this could be his last year. He might be able to, you know, he might be on his way to the NFL. There was already another NCAA situation about him uh getting not a cheeseburger. I guess it might have been a chicken sandwich. Um, with with a recruit during COVID, during the recruiting shutdown. That place um, has really good food, by the way. We went there during the, uh, nice. <laughs> the uh, official visit tour. and So, uh, like, that already, like, that, you know, they, they, they had the self-imposed thing, but that's still ongoing. So, like, there's been a lot of smoke around that. So, if you want to believe that Jim Harbaugh headed the NFL after the season, I, I think that that's a very reasonable uh, assumption to get to, especially if they win a national title this year. That's what happens in Michigan. It's incredibly complicated. Uh... I, 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 there's no specific punishment for this. And in the rule book, this is not a rule that has a lot of precedent. So when you talk about NCAA punishments, you know, I think they're going to go to their usual strategy of going in the dark room, putting the blindfold on and throwing the dart at the wall. And we'll see which punishment they land on for how, you know, for how bad this is. Now, when you have academic issues or when you have payment to athletes in the, the old days, they had precedents there. This one doesn't really have that, but then you have everyone in your conference that's furious about this. That's going to be beating down the NCAA's door if they get down on a wrist, if they get away with a wrist slap here. It's really unpredictable in terms of how the NCAA will handle this. Before we get to the picks, one last question I'm going to let both of you answer. Is there any scenario in your minds where this year's Michigan team is impacted by this in any way? So I wrote a story this week about the impact of, of illegally sign stealing, going above and beyond, and maybe getting more information than you might have off the All-22. Coaches seem to believe that it's a big impact. If 
Michigan turns into a pumpkin in the back half of this season, there'll be a lot of pontificating on what that means. Uh, oh, you don't have your, you know, is it like a uh, the great American piece of cinema like Mike, where you don't have your magic shoes anymore or whatever? I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, you know, there's the question of, well, is this a distraction? Did you lose the team? All this stuff. Michigan over these next six games is going to be really, really fascinating. It would be interesting, too, like if Ohio, if they just beat the crap out of Ohio State again after yeah, all of yes. this, then like it just well, kind of like, well, well, how big of a deal was it? Like, I think that they're exactly. playing for something bigger now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was in East Lansing for that 49 to nothing beatdown when uh, we watched. There was nobody by defense coordinator Jesse Minter calling in the plays. Michigan State brought its quarterback to the sideline to get the play and go back out for the first half. Didn't matter. So like. You, I could very well see a situation where Michigan rolls through the rest of the season and we in, in the the thought is, hey, the sign ceiling didn't really matter. Look how good they are. But they're on a bye this week. They play Penn State November 11th. The question is, does the Big Ten do anything? You know, Tony Petiti's only been on the commissioner's only been on the job for a couple of months now, and he's clearly getting pressured by other schools in the Big yes. Ten to do something about this. And, you know, Kevin Warren was defined by how he handled COVID shortly into his tenure. Now this is going to be on Tony Petiti's lap. Do they let me do they not do anything to Michigan? They go win a championship and then we find out Jim Harbaugh knew or or do you do like I know our colleague Stuart Mandel keeps thinking Michigan could or should be banned from the Big Ten championship game. I don't think they're going to do that um, unless something comes out before then that, that we knew. But even still, I think like, the only way you can do that is if you definitively prove that they are cheating. Well, or prove that they have cheated. The NCAA is trying not to penalize current teams for this stuff. We just saw it with Tennessee. They didn't get a bowl ban, you know, for for their whole thing because they fired everybody and got a big fine and all that stuff. They're trying not to take postseason opportunities away from kids. The kids theoretically weren't doing the sign stealing. So, do you you know do you make coaching changes during the season? I don't know. It, it depends what else we find out. But until we find out some smoking gun, I don't think the Big Ten is going to penalize them in the season. Okay, so I think we went about 10 minutes on that. I think we were instructed to go five. Uh, We did the best that we could. I think that it's going to be a discussion that we continue to have. I will say that I wish that Michigan was on our pick show this week because that would have been a spectacle to watch. A reminder, all the lines are presented by BetMGM. We are going to go through some games now. Uh, We are going to have some fun. And before we start, I just want to do a quick... uh, Shout out to The Athletic. I want you guys to go read stories. Max Olson, our wonderful colleague, had an incredible story talking to an actual sign stealer who gave tips. It was the Ten Commandments almost, or Ten Things to Learn about actual sign stealing and how it's impacting the sport. And, of course, Dave talked to some Power 5 coaches anonymously uh, to hear their thoughts on what was going on and um, how much they impact games. And both, I thought, were very revealing and important stories to read. If you are interested in what's going on there, if you're not, Sign up for The Athletic already. I don't know what you're doing. Please do that. Um, but also subscribe and comment and all the good things for the podcast. Okay. And shout out shout out to the Michigan fans who were arguing that it was just Ryan Day four times in our story. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I don't know. All right, let's go. I, I can't, we can't go down that road. Ten picks. I don't know if we'll get to ten. Maybe we'll do a speed round. Yeah. However you want to do it. Let's start with what I think is the most interesting game of the week. Oregon on the road at Utah. Both teams are six and one and three and one in Pac-12 play. Oregon is laying six and a half, and instrumental, important game in the Pac-12 race. Yeah. And we said before the year, Dave, 
from lessons it. that we were supposed to learn. I'm doing it actively. I'm about to do I, it again. I don't think that I learned them. Nope. Never count out Utah. Like, are they going to just mess around and win the, the Pac-12 with all the Washington hype and all this? Like, it could happen again. I don't think Utah's very good. And they're, I looked up, and they're 6-1, and one and they're ranked in the top 15. I'm like, I believed in Utah last year. I thought they were going to go to the playoff last year, and then Florida sort of uh, undercut, them, uh, undercut them there. But they're so beat up. I don't think I even realized that no Brant Keithy for the whole season was a possibility, you know, back in September. I, I knew with Cam Rising, like, the, the, it sounded like there was a setback. The vibes coming out of camp were not good there. But we weren't really sure. But I didn't realize that Brant Keithy on the board as well. But they're so beat up, and I, I, I still, I think Utah is a little overvalued here uh, because they bullied a USC team. That look, I'm not going to say they're soft, but if somebody told me they were soft and was going off about how USC, why won't was you soft, say they're soft? Yeah, I was going to say you're just saying they're soft. <laughs> I, I'm just saying I, I it's, it, I, I'm not going to argue if people want to say that. But I think why, so. I want you to say it. It's a fact. I feel like. I don't know that it's fully a fact. I think their secondary is very lost. I, I think do. their front seven is is not terrible. And I think their their offensive line has troubles past past blocking. When, when does I, it stop being a coincidence? All right. I, well, I, I, think I just said so- I'm not going to argue if you think they're soft. But I, I think soft. Oregon's really tough on both lines. They're explosive offensively. They average more plays per, or more yards per play than USC. I think people don't quite realize that somehow. Um, more plays longer than 30 yards. Um, but they can go toe-to-toe with Utah up front, which is where obviously USC could not. And even in Rice Eccles, I, I, I'm a believer in Oregon. I just think Oregon's really good. I, I still think Oregon's a playoff team. So um, give me the Ducks and give me the uh, – I'll, I'll lay the points. I think they win this big. And I just Utah just keeps figuring out ways. But I think Oregon and Washington are just too good. Too I good for this. want for this podcast feed for people to let it fly the way I do. I know that – I know, But I don't like fully a, think they're soft. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't fully think they're something to say. It's a podcast. We're having a good time. Doesn't necessarily mean soft physically, just means soft as a concept. To not bring your players to the post-game press conference after losing to Utah, that's That's soft. That's soft. It permeates everything that they game. Yeah. That part is soft, but I don't watch USC and just watch them get pushed around all the time. I I think that's that's. I think the definition of soft is... When your defense comes out onto the field with a minute left in the game after having a miraculous comeback and knowing they're going to lose. Yeah. I don't think it's always a physicality thing. Chris, what were you going to say? As for this game, like, Alvin, you don't think Utah's good, but defensively, they are very, very good. Like, like you know, we can say, hey, your quarterback has been an issue. Moving the ball sometimes has been an issue, but at least half of this team is very, very good. And the other part of this game to me is that it's on the road. It's at Utah. It's a very, very difficult place to play. And I don't think this is going to necessarily be a high scoring game. I'm taking Utah to cover Oregon to win. Um, just because I, I think the home field for Utah is a factor. And the thing with Utah, like they get better as the season goes along every year. And now you're not going to have Cam Rising. You're not going to have Brandon Keithy, all these, you know, all these injuries that they've had. But everything else about Utah is getting better as the season goes on. And that happens every single season with this team. For them to be 6-1 and one through all of that, through USC and Florida and all these other games that they've played, uh, I would be very scared if I was the rest of the Pac-12 right now. I'm not going to say that you're wrong about the defense being quote-unquote good. But if you look at the offenses that they have played, Florida does not really impress a lot of people. Baylor is a disaster. 
Weber State, whatever. UCLA, not a good offense. Oregon State, probably the best offensive line that they've played. They lost that game 21-7. Cal. I am laughing because I wish I could record this video of you talking right now and show it to you in September. That's fair. That's this fair. is literally the the point I that you're like. I know it is. I, can't I, I do warned this. you before. I said I said I'm gonna be. I'm gonna about to do it again. But I, uh, USC is a, has good skill position players, but their offensive line. We've been we've are we've been on this since week zero. The offensive line at USC is not good, and that I think is a low key reason why this team is not very good. So, so you're so laying I, six and a half. Yeah, yeah. We're we're yes. disrespecting Utah by spending most of this pick talking about USC. You guys realize that, right? Yeah. You're okay. doing it again. But are you picking I know, Utah? I'm okay. Listen, we're, we're, you can't treat, teach an old dog new tricks. I'm sorry. Chris, you're on Utah? You, I'm you on like Utah? Utah to cover. Utah to cover. Oregon straight up. I like uh, Oregon minus six and a half if I can get it under a touchdown. I don't like it. if I've seen spreads up to seven and seven and a half. Yeah. If you get two scores, I think that's kind of where I like that critical number at seven. If I can get under it, I think Oregon can win this game by seven. But also, too, like Utah has proven time and time again, that's just a really, really hard place to play a road yeah. game. I already um, have my apology drafted for the Saturday night. But show. it's also not a night game. So you, you could yeah. like write that should probably be the Monday column this week, if we're being honest. Like if Utah what? ends up winning this game, you should just like write an apology yeah, letter to Utah. That's fans. true. Yes. Um, Utah, despite all of the reasons to not believe in you. Because like, it wouldn't I, be the most shocking thing in the entire world. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. If they won the yeah. Pac-12 this year. Like. If they got all know. the way to there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. If, maybe, if you maybe. if you told me before the season Cam Rising and Brandon Keithy are not playing and Utah all season and Utah wins the Pac-12, I would have been stunned. And are, are I, we really going to get through that. this pick without talking about the DB that like now is playing running back and had like four hundred yards? Sione baby. Sione Like had four hundred yards of total was, offense in the last. I want to say it was John Kinzano who said, "What were the Vegas odds on Travis Hunter not being the most impactful two way player? Two way player in the, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the Pac twelve this year? Those are pretty good, Ari. You should have got on those. I invested <laughs> in some Travis Hunter sports cards, by the way. Just as <laughs> uh, I mean, with his signature on them, and I think I have them back here in this box. I'm just like going to hold on to those for a few years. Did you see him that, and Shador getting a shout out from LeBron after the game the other night? They were, they were at the game. They're they really in work. another. They're really in another area of like, which was interesting during a game week to be at an NBA game and doing like TNT. Was it they were doing like sideline something? Ah, it's at night. It's fine. It's whatever. Game two, guys. Uh, Oklahoma seven and zero, four and zero in Big Twelve play, laying ten points on the road at Kansas. Which is five and two, uh, two and two, and it's a big noon game. I don't know if it's actually it's on Fox. Big noon. Uh, Jason Bean will start at quarterback for Kansas. I have I initially had this as my upset alert of the week game because uh, I thought there was a chance that Jalen Daniels will be playing. He will not be. It looks like. Uh, but is this a tricky spot for Oklahoma, Chris? What do you think? You know, I I don't think so because they come off the escape of. Uh, UCF last week coming off the bye after Texas. So I think they had their scare. I think they will be back on track. I think they will be more focused. But Oklahoma, it's a, it's a program that like, I, I've seen them play twice. I saw them play SMU and look pretty bad. I saw them play Texas and look great. So like, it's all about the mentality with this team. They don't, they can't just roll in and beat you by, you know, a, a million points or whatever. You know, this game last year, remember Kansas was ranked I think it might have been the college game day game last year when it went to Kansas and Oklahoma went in and scored 52 points, beat them by 10. I think Oklahoma's focused again. I think Kansas without Jalen Daniels uh, has been up and down. And when they get in these big games, they get destroyed on the lines. It happened against Texas earlier this year. I think it happens again with Oklahoma. 
taking Oklahoma with the points. Yeah, Kansas, I, I've talked to people there this year. They're hoping Jalen Daniels can get back, but it's a very weird situation with him. It, obviously, it doesn't sound like it's going to be this week. Uh, that's a problem. I, Oklahoma's a pretty balanced team, and I think they're also undervalued on this line coming off of UCF. Uh, I think the defense actually carries the day in this one, and the offense is is good enough to cover. Quiv, I'm with you. I like Oklahoma. Uh, I'd lay the 10 here. Uh, I would certainly take the 10 if Daniels were playing. I don't think that would be the spread. Yeah, the, I don't think The so notion either, of, I, of it, what Oklahoma is this year, though, I think is fascinating. Like, are we at the point where the Sooners are a legitimate national championship contender, or are they just like a fun bounce-back story still? I think they're a CFB contender. They're going to be favored yeah. in every well, yeah. game they play the rest of the year, depending well, not, on we'll not, see about Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote but this can, week in the undefeated. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think they're a national championship contender yet. I, I mean, if they're on their best, sure. I mean, we saw them compete in the trenches against Texas. They the, what they did against Texas was not anything we'd seen all year. So, like, we know the potential is there, but week in and week out, uh, I, I think they struggle to run the ball. Uh, otherwise, in key moments, and kind of iffy on the lines. Yeah, I think it'd be crazy if this was the Oklahoma team that finally won a game in the playoff. Right. Yeah. They're good. And I think you have to take them seriously. And they're definitely a, obviously they're sitting there undefeated. They're a threat to make the playoff. They're probably a Texas win away from doing that. But I it's hard for me to see them getting a matchup in round one and being like, oh, I like the Sooners here for sure. Look what you've done to our podcast. <laughs> Read it out loud, Dave. <laughs> it says the duck bacon is a bit expensive, gamey. But worth the try. Thanks, bud. Thanks for doing that. Yes, on the turkey pastrami. Last year we were debating on like what the best free bread was at restaurants, and now we're talking about duck bacon. I don't even know what that is. Texas Roadhouse, easily. But what is duck bacon? It's just bacon. I mean, it's just like duck. What do you mean? It's just bacon. No, it's duck breast that's sliced. So you know how bacon? I mean, how duck duck breasts have the fat cap? Well, it's on the top of the. You just slice it. It looks like Catherine B's in here is. yelling at me to try new things. I've never even seen this. Hey, I'll, it's I'll, not very. It's not even a but. thing that like I've been like. Oh, I'm gonna pass on that. Like it's Wait, like oven. <laughs> what were you saying about yes. Texas Roadhouse? Best it's the rolls. best free bread. Okay, because one just need, one just opened down the road from here. It's about. Oh, you should go check it out. It's, it's the it's, best. It's the best steak chain by far. No I think. I think that the notion of going to pay like eighteen or thirty dollars for a chain steak is just weird. Um, but those are the def like outback and stuff are like the perfect places. If you just want to go smash food, like if you want like mm-hmm. French onion soup and French fries and chicken fingers and appetizers and all the things that, you know, probably aren't very good for you. Um, <laughs> Scott Aldridge just said central market 75 and mockingbird. I live like less it than a mile there. from a central market, uh, in I've midway hollow. Um, I've never, um, maybe I'll go try it. I don't know. Ari, what would be your last supper? Domino's cheesy bread. No, I'm kidding. All right, let's get to the next game. <laughs> I'm going to this game. Yes. And it'll be I'm a ex- game that's not at midnight, so it'll be it'll be nice to actually be able to write a story and and get back to the hotel and do a podcast, but uh number 1 Georgia 7 and 0 playing in the largest outdoor cocktail party in the world or whatever. World's largest outdoor cocktail I know. party. I I messed up before I I got there and then at the end <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> Versus Florida, 5-2. Florida has shown some life that we didn't know existed in their hearts. 
Um, this is a very interesting game. We're sending four writers to it, so I don't know if it's that interesting, but we're, we're gonna, going. Uh, I'm going. Manny Navarro's going, so we're going to be on the Florida side, and Schultz okay. is going, national columnist, okay. and of course, Seth Emerson, our beat writer. But in some um, ways, that's that's circumstantial. Yeah. Um, I would reroute and go to Utah, Oregon, I think, um, if they needed that, but this will be fun. I'm excited. I, I uh, have some. Just like, who doesn't like going to Florida? We don't need to get on a Jacksonville yeah, tangent yeah. again, Ari. But I, I visited, I, I visited yeah. Florida this uh, fall camp and went through Jacksonville. That drive from Jacksonville to, to Gainesville is uh, surprisingly daunting. Uh, it is. It's a lot of back roads. Yeah, but you're not going to have to do that. You're going straight to Jacksonville. So. I like, yeah. I like back roads, and I like driving in areas of the country that I've never driven. So, um, but here's the thing, guys. We are in a position, and I said this, Chris, to Dave on the show last week, where we had to fill out our middle-of-the-year playoff picks last week. And I thought that that was very, very, very challenging because no matter who you pick, you're leaving three or four teams that are over overly qualified. Mm-hmm. Like, I found myself not including Florida State, and that found disgusting. That felt disgusting to me. But... As we do this, are we tricking ourselves into thinking there's there's parity in the sport this year? Or is Georgia just going to start mowing people down like Georgia has tended to do the last few years, starting this weekend with Florida, um, and just beat the crap out of everybody in the playoff and win their third straight national championship? Or do we actually have parity? Um, I don't know if we could trust Florida completely to give us the answer to that question this weekend, but yeah. um, does Florida have any fight in it enough to make this an interesting neutral site rivalry game that kind of has some intrigue in the third quarter. So when I, when I visited Billy Napier in the, in the fall, he felt very good about their, what they could do in the trenches. He, he like, you know, they got some young defensive backs and receivers got to grow, you know, gr- get through some growing pains, but he thought they'd be good on the line. And then the Kentucky game happens and they just get completely destroyed by Ray Davis. And so that is my concern coming into this game. Graham Mertz, has actually been solid, believe it or not, Ubin, uh, uh, who's not exactly a, a big Graham Mertz fan, but he's got 12 touchdown passes, two interceptions. One of those was the first game of the year. You know, he throws for 423 yards last uh, last week, a career high. But they also needed like a kind of crazy comeback to beat South Carolina, you know? So like there are parts about this Florida team to like. I just don't think top to bottom Florida is going to be able to keep up. This game was a blowout from almost the beginning last uh, last year. And Florida's better. They are improved. Georgia's taking a step back. But I, I but don't But the really combination Florida. of Florida playing the best game it possibly could play. Yeah. And Brock Bowers not being played. And maybe there being some warts underneath the hood that Georgia has that we're not certain of. Like, could this, like, could the perfect storm of this game be... Like, like, what if we get like Tennessee, Florida? Like, what if we if get that? that if, if that happens, we're gonna that. It, then they can Florida can win this game. If Florida plays at its best and Georgia yeah. doesn't play well, Florida can. I, I, I just every Georgia game the rest of the season, I think, just comes down to Georgia. If you get focused, sharp Agreed. Georgia, shut it down. The Georgia team that showed up in that Kentucky game, nobody can beat that team. Yep, nobody can beat that team. That's the one time we've seen that team literally all season. So. I don't think this Georgia team has the same upside as previous years, but they're still a really good team, and they still have as much talent as anybody. I know Alabama rates higher on the the talent composite, but Georgia, I think, is more experienced and is a more talented team. And I don't think I think people underrate the fact that 
you know, they did steal two SEC teams' top receivers. And those guys have not been very productive. I've been talking to coaches all season. I've been kind of surprised by that. We thought they were going to be really big-time guys and, and haven't been. It's been surprising. But now the opportunity's there. And losing Bowers is big, but I, I think it comes down to who is Georgia. And I, I think you get focused, George, this week. I think the, the combination of no Bowers, you do have a rivalry game that Georgia cares about. I think you get focused, Georgia. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Georgia and lay the points here. I'm going to the game, so I kind of hope it's not 39 to nothing at halftime. For your but sake, I, I too, Ari. <laughs> but I also have my column written in my head either way. So me and Manny are going to fight to the death. Like, I already know what it is. <laughs> Uh, either way, like I think even if they play a close game, it's the same column. It's just the tenor is different. But I think we're going to find I'll just tell you the, the angle of the story and then we'll see what. But we're going to find out, like, I think that like Billy Napier, without question, I think deserves to stick around. Like he bought oh, yeah. himself some time because yeah. he has shown a fight in his program that we didn't know existed before the year. Mm-hmm. Dave and I, at the beginning of the year, I think it was after the Utah game, just said, holy crap, this is going to be a barrier. Yeah. yeah, like, and they're sitting here at five and two, and like, kind of like a w- crazy upset away from like controlling their yeah. own destiny in their division. And when you're when you're on the edge of November, and that's the case, you deserve, especially with the players he has coming in. Like, that is is more than enough to me. The question is, how many years should it actually take for a team in the SEC or a place that's won national championships in our recent memory? to build a team that you could feel the competitive game against Georgia and a reminder of how far the gap is between even a great program or a traditionally great program like Florida and what actually is elite um, at places like Alabama and Georgia. And like, we're going to find out how much progress I think Billy Napier has made in his, you know, short time at Florida in that regard, especially considering the fact that we don't view this Georgia team as the Death Star Georgia that they were the last two years, especially without their best player. So I unfortunately like Georgia minus 14 and a half because, you know, every single time I go to the game, I just kind of feel like it ends up going exactly how I thought it was going to go. I'd love to have like a weird result that we could like. I always like my dream was always like, were you at that game where that thing happened that no one saw coming? Like it never works out (laughs) that way for me. I think Georgia's probably just going to be winning 24 to three at halftime. But I'd li- that's the side I like. But I hope Florida shows some fight. I mean, some I of the recent, some of the re- this year, some of the recent games you've gone to, Ari, the national championship. Or I get you weren't there; you left before. But national championship game yeah, went the I way you expected. In Texas, Alabama, I think went the way you seem to expect as well. It did. So, yes. Yeah. I uh, will say that the national championship game last year went more the way I expected than any other game I've ever talked about on this show. So you've you actually picked Florida in our picks uh that went up today you had you picked i just florida. do that hastily sometimes because i don't I mean, want to be late it's hard well you're yeah. beating me so i feel great about it um i picked georgia i don't play any out. of those games it's in real life by the way. i know i know that's why i feel bad um but like bill Connolly's sp plus had this at like 14.7 so like it's it's i you know the the line i could see really that going either way uh, but I'm with Aubin. I think we get focused Georgia this week. And Florida is improved, but I think focused Georgia. But what if focused is Georgia isn't good enough to just blow out Florida? Like, can we consider yeah, that? Yes, I think it are. is. Well, what I, if they're I, okay. I think they are. Yeah, said, okay. Kentucky's I'm not saying good. that they're not. I'm Kentucky's just saying, good. okay, all right, okay. All right, next game, next game. Jeez, relax, guys. <laughs> talking about just, Gator. I'm not going to let somebody disrespect Kentucky on this podcast, Ari. 
I didn't. <laughs> I, I was I was trying to see if whether or not there was some vulnerability. If you think Georgia is that Georgia, then I don't think we're going to get the the super Cinderella ending that everybody's hoping for this year. I think we're just going to get more of the same of last year, just extended to more teams. Ari, you would jump off you're, a cliff if Air Force won a national title this year. I would Ari, jump off a cliff if they, Ari, if they you're made so, the Ari, you're so focused on the postseason when we care about the regular season of college yes. football. I, that's the thing that matters I to us. I think that the regular season of college football is a metric to determine the postseason. I just you think, think it's a great TV show. You think show. it's a fun, you, hey, like, no, you think no, it's when, field no, no, day no, in no. kindergarten. That's what you think when, it is. When you, go, when you go to Georgia, Florida, and you see the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, you're going to realize how special that is, no matter the circumstances around these teams. Just like Texas, Oklahoma last year. I hope you appreciate it. Yeah. I'm going to Georgia Mizzou next week, by the way. Georgia's got a I heard. nice little back-to-back year. So. I don't know who has a bigger travel budget, you or Stallions, but we're gonna we're gonna figure that out because this guy's been this guy's got more Marriott points than the freaking <laughs> Prince of Europe. I don't know what that means. Okay, Ohio State seven and zero, four and zero in the Big Ten, laying fourteen and a half on the road at Wisconsin, five and two, three and one. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern time kick. This was Chris's trap game, not to blow the super super. Surprise? Superlatives. No, I don't know how to say that word. Surprise, Sup- yeah. Superlatives at the end of the show. Chris, why was this your trap of the week? Because Ohio State's coming off a big win and they're going on the road to a difficult place to play. Honestly, like I think Wisconsin, which I think is kind of in control of its destiny for the Big Ten West at this point because of what happened to Iowa. I actually think they've been one of the more disappointing teams of this season. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. Luke Fickle coming in uh, the offensive changes that they would just get that thing rolling right off the bat. And it hasn't. They needed a last second touchdown to beat Illinois. Uh, they, uh, you know, Rutgers game was, man, they lost to Iowa at home. Wisconsin's actually been disappointing, but I think for a game like this, they get up. I think we get a sleepy Ohio State, which we've seen most of this year. I'm going to count the number of grab ass tweets we get from Ari on Saturday. I think Wisconsin uh, can cover that 14 and a half. And we'll probably be live after this game, right, Dave? So what do you... Yeah, definitely. definitely. What, what, what is your thought process on Ohio State-Wisconsin? Are you sold on Ohio State now? Are we sure Wisconsin can score double digits in this game? Like, to me, if you're going to play this game, the under is the play. Yeah. I think Wisconsin probably slows this down a little bit, leans away from the dairy raid. I mean, no Tanner Mordecai is a big deal, and they looked ugly last week. Needed some absolute heroics to get out of, uh, you know, to get out of losing mm-hmm. to Illinois. So, you know, I don't want to be too reactionary. Um, you know, that's how, you know. Reactionary gets thrives. you buried real quick in the sport. Yes, yeah. it really does. But I just, I'm not sure Wisconsin can score in this game. So I, I, I'm i going to tentatively go Ohio State and lay the points here. The number is very low enough. for the over-under. 43 and a half for an Ohio State yeah. game is pretty low. It's, yes. it's weird to you, think that, like, this Ohio State team is winning games or will continue to win games because they've got a great defense. It's yeah. like you have to, like, rewire your brain to be like, oh, Ohio State's going to actually stop people from scoring in like a very impressive way this year. And even if Kyle McCord isn't Joe Montana, Ohio State can win games like they did last week, 20 to 12. It just feels like a 30 to 6 situation. I mean, what did yeah. you mean tentatively pick? You you can't change it here. We're not doing another one of these before the game. But I, I'm saying I don't feel good about that number. I'm not that confident, <laughs> but yeah. I feel good about the under here. You want to buy the you want to buy the hook and make it 14? 
I, that doesn't matter that much to me. I don't think you. Oh yeah, I, I two just, scores and three I think, scores. No yeah, difference. I think, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying I think you. I think the the issue is that you will probably know in the first 16 minutes of this game how it's going to go. I think it's like I a. Tw- that- I think it's like 20 to six. I think we get like a 20 to six game. Mm-hmm. God, if they win 20 to six. Also, are like there's this- no shame in losing to Iowa. Yes, there is. <laughs> You know why I was so angry in my Iowa column this week? <laughs> you got people upset at you. Please tell you us. Too far. Yeah. It was just you. You did it to me. <laughs> Your column from the week before let that fire under me. We're podcast co-hosts, and you're you know, like writing. I, like, I'm realizing this actually, Ari. I, I am realizing this. I think, not to set you off further. I think, oh Ari. You love the regular season because of what it means for the postseason, and Chris yeah. and I just love the regular season on its merits. Mm-hmm. I love all of these games, and I care somewhat what it means for the playoff, but not really. Like the playoff is the playoff, but I love a lot of these for just their existence. And I think I mean, that, do you that think that, that it makes it you, Chris, like you're a more pure college football no, fan than me because is, you no, just I love just, the pageantry no, more. Not at like, all. Is that what I just you're think to we're say? different. I think it's why I enjoy okay. this podcast because I, I love and respect you, Ari, but we're very different people. And I think Yeah, no, but very, I don't understand like, how you like like and like I I guess I'm kind of guilty of like playing along with it even back to last year with Andy. But it's like, how could you possibly be rooting for this team to like succeed? Because it's funny. Because it's funny. It's not funny. I, dis- I, I disagree. I, by the way, I disagreed with Ubbin's column in the sense that if they made the Big Ten championship game. They have I want no to throw them sh- out of a moving no sh- automobile they have when I was no shot it. at yeah. winning that game. I said it took I believe the example I used was Haley's Comet coming 40 years early. Or or maybe so Mi- like or, was- or maybe Michigan's sign stealing getting broken up before the game, yeah, you know. Maybe. So it's not like I'm saying it was possible, but I'm just saying my approach to college football in many ways is a lot of times if I have a rooting interest, it's for the funniest outcome possible. Yeah. And Iowa making the playoff when everyone won't shut up. But I think that what they're the actually doing is super suck. serious though. I agree like with what they're you, doing I to the program, like what's happening with the father-son relationship. Yes. Like that's not funny to me. So like that is, that I think, kind of why not I, funny. Yeah. But them making the playoff while everyone talks about how much they suck, including their own fans. That is funny, Ari. Yeah. <laughs> that's about as funny as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Catherine and I are on the same team here. You're, you're, you're going to make me write it again. Like if, if anybody that's an Iowa fan got mad at me for being too harsh, you just, I didn't really get a lot of hate, actually, to be honest. I like, agreed with your column, Ari. I thought it was a good column. I did, too. Yeah. Um, okay, I just do think you. it's funny because I don't have a personal mean. investment in it. So The Athletic thought it was too, or, or my editor thought it was too mean. And then they changed the headline after it ran to include the word nepotism. And then they put it on the front page of the sports section of the New York Times. So there was no hiding from what I thought. And... You know what? It is nepotism. I I don't know how you can say like he's you, you clearly said underqualified what, you for said, this job. You said what most Iowa fans say. I know mm-hmm. people are they're with me though. Usually, but usually as a reporter, if you say what they're what fans are saying, they don't like that. They want to say it exactly. They want to say it on the message yeah. board, but they're at the point now where they want it to be said for everyone to see because they can't take it anymore. And mm-hmm. Dave is like, oh, it'd be funny if they made the playoff this year, and it's like. I mean, I guess if they made the playoff, but they weren't going to make the playoff. What they were going to do is make the Big Ten championship game, get their asses kicked, and then still reinforce. That's not funny either. Like, they're just going to play Michigan or Ohio State. But if they did find a way to win, Ari, it would be they, very funny. They wouldn't. It literally they wouldn't. Can't, TCU which makes it chance. irrelevant. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. This is another interesting game. Um, Chris and I, 
who knows, like in a few weeks, we might cover a game together or one of us might cover it when Texas comes up in two or three weeks to play TCU. But Texas right now, six and one, three and one, laying 17 and a half on the road at BYU. Obviously, um, this is interesting because Quinn Ewers is out and Malik Murphy is going to start, but Sark left the door open for Arch Manning appearance in this game, potentially. Got to see. I am legitimately terrified that we're not going to make it back to Quinn getting back with with their record being a one loss in the or a one in the loss column still. Like, and I also think it's kind of it's kind of bullshit. Like, if they lose, like without their starting quarterback, like if that Ari, makes me wrong, I'm you just covered like, come the on. you covered the 2014 Ohio State team that won a national championship with the third string quarterback. That's the standard. Yeah. I know it is. And I actually Ari, think Malik Murphy's really good or like yeah. has the tools to be. So let me ask we'll you see. a question, Ari. How many yeah. wins over uh, above 500 teams do you think BYU has? Zero. That's correct. Yeah. The answer is zero. They, I mean, the spread's three scores. So um, I'm not going to use the F word, but uh, no F word's at, allowed on the show anymore. You, you look at their, you look at their wins, right? And you say, okay, Cincinnati, the best win is future Big 12 champion Texas Tech, who is absolutely sandbagging right now at three and five, waiting in the wings to make their late season run <laughs> to Arlington and to the, get to the playoff. But you just don't see the wins there for them. And, and I think even without um, uh, without Quinn Ewers, I, I, I'm excited to see what Malik Murphy is because I think he's in a really weird spot just in his career. And On the depth chart, had to, yeah. Yeah, and if you had to tell me if he if he's starting for a P five program next year, that's not the Longhorns. I would say decent shot. That's the. Case. I think I would say that he could have started for one this year. Well, I'm talking about in reality though, because like the people. I'm are saying if he would have transferred, it would have been reality. Oh, it's possible. Yeah, if I mean, he would have left before it. this year, why would he stay this it. year? Is a question I think I would have. Well, you got You never know. I mean, he's getting his opportunity now. I think literally Saturday's game is why you stay here because Arch yeah. is still a true freshman, and, and you don't yeah. know what's going to. Well, happen. here's the funniest thing because like I'm not so concerned about BYU. I'm worried about Kansas State. Like they might be able to yep. go and, and play grab ass against BYU, but they play Kansas State. Kansas State plays the right kind of game next week. That's the that could be the thing that that knocks them off. But like, what about this that nobody's considering? What if Malik Murphy comes out and just completely dominates BYU? And looks like the big bodied freak of an athlete that he is with a monster arm and runs people over. And then this has two awesome weeks where he just looks like a stud. Like, is there any scenario whatsoever? And maybe there isn't. Maybe I'm just trying to be a fun podcast host. Is there any scenario whatsoever where Malik Murphy makes people question who the best quarterback on this team is? Possible. I'm not going to say it's impossible. You're saying you're saying if he does that. Because I think he can. I, I think he can. We we don't know if he if he does has a great two weeks. I I would keep him as a starter if Quinn Ewers is back. I saw the guy in person at the Elite Eleven Regional in June, and I covered him at the Elite Eleven Finals when he was a um, participant in the camp, and the growth just physically that the, he has gone under in the two years that he's been at Texas or whatever it's been is unbelievable. Like this, we're talking about like a Joe Milton type body here. Yeah. And like, if you I'm have an accurate, see him. like everybody's like arch watch, look at this. Will Chaney here. My guy, arch watch buddy. I'm on Malik watch. Yeah. 
Arch's production might make you say wow, but you're never gonna watch him and just be like, oh my gosh, Malik, you will. <laughs> like Malik, you'll be like, I wish. What is like, this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm very excited to go to the game this weekend, but like I would love to cover this one. Because I, to, I heard that BYU to, was just beautiful. I was say, well, okay, yeah. we we didn't we didn't make we didn't make picks on this, by the way. Um, are you? I assume I'm you're both taking Texas. I'm laying it. Yeah, I'm gonna go Texas. Yeah, I think I am Texas. too. I mean, two weeks ago we saw BYU destroyed by TCU. I I just can't think of I can't think about Texas playing at BYU without thinking about that game that got Manny Diaz fired and like completely changes trajectory for a long Taysom time. Taysom Hill's not playing in this game. I don't see a Taysom Hill in this game. <laughs> uh Keaton Slovis's numbers have not been really good this season. He threw for 127 yards against uh against uh, Texas Tech last week. I am taking Texas with the points as well. All right, this is not a good week for all of us to be very certain on Texas on the road. At They're not losing this semi-competent one. team. Probably not, but no. Yeah, I mean, I, I look save forward that, to the argument that. of whether or not this counts on Saturday night if they do lose. <laughs> no, I mean, if they lose the BYU, oh, if they lose, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just like, I feel like this is a boxing match with you every week. Of like, is Texas <laughs> going to do it? And we're getting into the middle late rounds, and we are losing steam. Right now, on my side of the of the thing, and I don't know what needs to happen, but we need an adrenaline shot or some devil's dandruff or something. But we got to get back. Uh, I'm like Iowa's back defense. In. Sorry, I just keep on coming at you. You can't. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm. Let's put it this way: I'm on ice skates. I'm, I'm nervous. Like I, I'm not. That I'm, that Kansas State game scares the ever loving crap out. Yeah, of me. Avery Johnson, baby. That's yeah. Uh, that's a wild card and a half. So okay, great hair, um, great name. Next game, number 18, Louisville, 6-1. and one. We can do this one quick. Got to do all of them quick. We had a really long show already. Yes. Let's just do these next fives really quick. Uh, number 18, Louisville, 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the ACC, laying four points against Duke. Number 20 in the country, 5-2, and 2-1. Two, two and Riley Leonard is day-to-day. I don't know what his health status is going to be. Um, and a secondary discussion, I guess. I, mean, I said we're going to be quick, but maybe we won't be. Should Riley Leonard return next year? Look at this. Speak of the devil. Blue devil. Is he throwing right-handed in that picture? I don't know. I mean, you know how like it's like a mirror maybe? I don't know. He looks like a righty in that picture. He, he does that's look that's like a reversed right. image. Look at me. This guy. This guy's taking me to the title this year. Got <laughs> Who Kyle is that? Pitts. Oh, okay. oh, gosh. We got, we got, I, we got some investment pieces here. We got some Chris Olave. Just got as a as a, a B. John Robinson fantasy gold. owner, you what? almost set me off there, Ari. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that would have been cool. That would that card would be way more expensive. If it were Bijan, probably. Uh, no, I think I've been too hard on Louisville this year, Ari. I think I felt like they were just going to be kind of boosted by having a really soft schedule, but I don't think I've forgiven them for the Georgia Tech debacle in Week One, where I just like y'all should kill these guys, and they just keep winning ball games and beat. I, I think Louisville. I think this will be a low scoring game, but I think Louisville wins this ball game um, and covers. Yeah, I, you and I watched that game at... Uh, we did. We watched it at Papacitos. Papacitos, that's right. You mean Chewy's? <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, it's uh, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, Ari go does, ahead. Ari's not a fan of Papacitos for anybody. No, I'm not, I'm not a, it's not that I'm, I'm not, not a, a fan of Papacitos. I don't understand the hype of it. It's, it's fine. Well, it's almost like every Ari. other Tex-Mex when, when, restaurant when on the Bruce, face of the earth. When Bruce comes on this podcast next time... You and him got to talk about it because that's like his favorite thing. So I, it's his favorite thing. I don't understand that the food cannot it. be differentiated from any other standard random Tex-Mex place. Okay, so right, this is it your just best can't. food take. 
so this game, Riley Leonard, day to day. It's Chili's, by the way. It's Chili's. Day to day. We'll see if he plays. Obviously, things turned last week when Florida State, when he went out, but he looked like he could possibly play. I can't read Mike Elko on whether or not a quarterback's going to play because it didn't did not sound like from him that Riley Leonard was going to play against Florida State, and then he did. So I'm gonna su- I'm gonna think Riley probably plays. I'm picking Duke to cover the four. Either way, though, at home, I do like Duke's overall team. And uh, I'm going to go with Duke to cover. Okay. We didn't really do a good job of understanding what speed round was on that one. So let's try to do it on these. We'll do our best. Tennessee (laughs) at Kentucky laying three and a half um, over under 51 and a half. What do you think? Uh, A lot of home dogs this week. Uh, A lot. You're always on home dogs. Well, I'm not. I'm not. And and it makes me nervous because I like a lot of the road teams this week. Uh, Tennessee, they got some weird voodoo in the beer barrel game over Kentucky. I guess I'm going to lean into that. I I think both these teams are pretty good, uh, but Tennessee's really good on the lines. I think they can hold up against Kentucky's uh, run game, limit Ray Davis, and get enough from Joe Milton to to get the win in the cover here. I'm going to say the same thing. I I, I think Tennessee bounces back from the the, uh, Alabama Mm -hmm. finish, and like you said, they just, good things seem to happen for them against against Kentucky. Three and a half points, I'll take Tennessee. Only seven uh, teams better at stopping the run than Tennessee. Tennessee is just weird to me because I don't know what they are. I don't know. I don't know what they are. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I agree with both of you guys. I have no pulse whatsoever of. Like if, if Tennessee were just to line up and play Georgia tomorrow, like I don't know what I would think. Probably the same I thing think. I thought last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bad, bad example. Bad okay, example. Well, bad Oregon State, them, another yeah. uh, another what seems to be kind of a big game. I don't know in the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon State, six and one, laying three and a half on the road at U of A, Arizona. And all of a sudden, Noah Fafita, the backup quarterback that is in for Jaden Delora, uh, very early in his career, has been awesome. Like, is Arizona, you know, hey, over 500 heading into November? That's a, that's a pretty big revelation for my hometown Wildcats. Another game here, Ari, where I'm going to go with the, the, the road favorite. Defense, offensive line control the game here. Arizona or Oregon State gets the win and the cover here. I'm going to say the same. Oregon State's defense remains legit. I think uh, Fafita kind of runs into some trouble there. Uh, that said, Arizona is a completely different team the last number of weeks. You know, kicked Washington State's butt, played Washington close, nearly beat USC. Uh, it's a credit to them that the line is what it is, but I, I think I'm still going to go Oregon State. You know, I went to Arizona, as you guys know. And I couldn't tell by they have a they have a well, how could you? It's a Diamondbacks hat in a different city. Come on, man. In Dallas, you're wearing a Diamondbacks hat in (laughs) Dallas during a a Rangers series where they have a very underrated stadium. It gets really loud when people are into it and their student section goes from like the 10 to the 10 in the lower deck on the entire the east side of the stadium. Yep. And like every single year. Um, they seem to have one game like this where they can, you know, like they'll get up for this because like Oregon state's ranked number 11. And if Arizona is kind of just finding out who they are, I mean, I am very tempted here to take the Homer pick. Not that I really care um, if they win or lose, but it seems like an interesting spot where I might take Arizona. So, it okay. I, I think it's a bad matchup, but we'll see. Yeah. Air force uh, Dave's uh, national champion. Uh, pick 
Ari hates the G5 so much. <laughs> no, I hate your Chris, passion. Please, I please. hate that you constantly make me feel like I don't like it when I watch all you, these games. I was up sweating Sam Houston State last night. Like it's like Yeah, but why were you watching that game? I was into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the difference. I was so just intrigued about whether or not Sam Houston State would finally win a game. They're allergic I was so to winning. In, I I was, feel bad let me for tell you one thing, buddy. I was way more into that freaking game than you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got home I was with very dis- I was bitterly disappointed with the way it had ended. Oh man! Or if you put money in an Owen sixteen, that's you. That's on you. That's they were favored, bud. I know they were. And I, again, I, again, let me repeat: if you put money on an Owen sixteen to cover, have you seen what about an Owen? What about an Owen sixteen team or an Owen six team to cover? Uh, not cover, but took them live four to one in the fourth quarter, down seven with ten minutes left. Mm. Is that is that respectable? That's more respectable. No, because again, I, uh, buddy, I, they I tied believe, the game like three minutes after I placed the bet, I know, and they I had believe, the ball with three minutes left. I'm happy with a four to one. Dan Rubenstein is famous for saying winning is a skill. I also think that losing is a skill, and San yeah. Houston State is absolute. I can't believe they lost, but yeah. I can't believe they lost that game. They had the ball I can. I can uh, with two this. minutes left, and they like <laughs> were moving the ball with ease the entire game. Thought they were certainly going to just drive down the field and kick a field goal. Like, I love the G5. Also, uh, Daniel Garrett's lock of the week is Toledo. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to take it, Daniel, and I'm not. And I'm going to. I'm going to rail on you if it loses. I'm going big. <laughs> going big. As for this game, I think Colorado State's a little overvalued. They've been competitive, impressive last week against UNLV. Uh, but I, th- I say Air Force is a wagon, and I think they're undervalued because people somehow don't forget that, like, the service academy games are always weird because they're just, like, playing a scrimmage against each other, basically. So uh, I- I'm going to I'm going to take Air Force against a team that does not run the option and has questionable uh, structural integrity on the front of its uh, defensive line. So give me uh, the Falcons big here. Get back to their beat down ways. You yeah, want to talk I, about the funniest possible outcomes of things? Like, how about a triple option team in the playoff? Would that be funny? Here's the thing. Do you think a, that team would have oh, more of a shot oh, God. than a regular <laughs> team that runs an offense? We've seen... I don't. You, no. you, did you not cover they the have Navy? have a month to prepare rem- for those games. Do you remember when Navy almost beat Ohio State in Ohio Stadium? I do. You probably covered that game. I saw Air I remember Force when Ohio saw- State str- struggled with Navy in their season opener the year they won the national title. Yeah, uh, when they had when they had months to prepare for that game. I'm just, uh, we saw Air Force almost beat Michigan one time. We've, we, I think that... Do I, I think this Air Force... You, do I think that this Air Force team has a better chance of beating Georgia? No, not I don't. Georgia. They're not going to play they're Georgia. playing in the playoff. Not in the first round. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing they the Michigan. Bull crap expanded playoff. Okay, whatever. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I meant in a theoretical 12 team. Yes, in a, in a 14 yeah. playoff. Air Force is not making the playoff. This Air Force team is yeah. not making a 14 playoff. It's no. not happening. I want it for to. For the now. record. Because I, I believe I, in G5. I, was and talking you about, I literally can't. Yeah, I was talking about the theoretical next year 12 team. But but the thing, the thing about Air Force, by the way, Army joining the American Conference this year, uh, next year, Army and Navy get all the attention. Nobody pays attention to Air Force, which has been a very, very good program for 15 plus years under Troy Calhoun. Whatever mm-hmm. the changes that service academies have to go under, Air Force gets through it. Their offense is a little bit different. They kind of run their program a little bit different than the other service academies and get some fifth-year players on their team. Uh, but... All that success, they've won 10 plus games three of the last four years. They've only made the Mountain West Championship game once and they've never won the conference. So like, as I watch this Air Force team, 
I'm wondering where the stumble is going to come because it usually happens. I don't think Air Force is going to go 12-0 in the regular season. That said, I think Colorado State is a, a favorable matchup. I'm picking Air Force in this game, but I, I still have some questions about the Falcons. No service academy undefeated or untied since 1949. All right, last one, guys. Just got to do it for Dave. I would have left it off, but... <laughs> I know get get through the going. podcast. I'll talk about Dion. So uh, <laughs> number 23, UCLA, five and two, two and two in the pack. 12 laying 17 points. Holy shit. I'm sorry. That's a lot of points against Colorado, four and three at a 730 p.m. Eastern time. Is somebody not playing or something? No, Ari. Colorado is not good on the lines. Did, and did, UCLA is quite good. No, on the I don't line. know. You 17 points for a team that can check it a little bit. I don't know. Ari, uh, UCLA. If I was making play, the line for the game, it wouldn't be 17. I, I, not I, to play like the transitive property game, yeah. but Colorado just lost to a team that UCLA beat 42 to 7. I'm just saying. And people don't understand how good UCLA's defense is. Uh, yes. Danton Lynn this, has taken over that yeah. group. They are very, very good on that side of the ball. I would expect them to have a very good game plan set. Ethan Garber started a quarterback last week, had a huge game because Dante Morris banged up. No word on who's going to start, but I don't think I'd move away from Garber's after what he did. So, like, yeah. I can understand why the line is what it is. Uh, by the way, this game, ABC, well, Washington State is, I'm sorry, Washington <laughs> top five is over on FS1. I think it just goes to, it, it goes to show you still the impact Dion is having on the television ratings for this game. And yeah, people are going to be reinterested in Colorado because it's been two weeks plus since we saw the Stanford game. Yeah, I'm going to take UCLA, though. I think this is a really solid team in Colorado is continuing to kind of fall apart as the year goes on. Yes, this I will also take UCLA here and my lock of the week under 63 and a half locks of the week my keyboard. It's going to be on fire. Colorado is not going to be able to score in this game. If you want to take the Colorado team under, go ahead. But, like, they can't run the ball. And if you're one-dimensional against Anton Lynn and this defense, that's going to be a problem. That is going to be a problem. And I'm not sure that UCLA is just going to roll through Colorado even as many defensive issues as they have. So I think that number is inflated because of Colorado's last outing, which was, like, 100-something points. So my lock of the week, under 63 and a half here. My pick, I guess, is just Colorado plus 17 based on my yeah. initial reaction to it. But I feel like that's an L now. So I'm going to hammer UCLA and I'm going to blame you too if it, uh, if it doesn't work. Okay, superlative picks. Superlatives. Picks. Okay, so we did your lock of the week, Dave. My lock of the mm-hmm. week um, is Wyoming plus five against Boise State. Like, did anybody watch football this year? Like, has yeah. anybody watched it? Chris, right, we were you talking about it. this a little bit before the show. This is like somehow like like I'm conditioned to think that we're being trapped by Vegas, but we do watch a lot of college football. And as much as we get wrong, we do know something, Ari. And I could not believe this might be almost be a wrong team favored situation. I checked the money on this. Boise State was getting 88 percent of the money because when you told me this is your lock, I loved the pick. But I was like, that seems too obvious. But then, like, the public is all over Boise, and I think it's just as simple as people hear Boise and, like, oh, they're good, and hear Wyoming, and are like, who? And haven't watched But I games. also think, too, people are very reactionary, and the fact that Wyoming lost last time they played to um, an Air Force team that is very good kind of just takes the luster a little bit off of who they were. I and think Wyoming's that Wyoming, coming off a bye? Wow. I think Wyoming is maybe the play to just hit money line here. 
I'm taking yeah. the points, but I, I yeah. think that Wyoming might win the game. Wyoming's so, a uh, difficult team to figure out because yeah. they only, you know, they, they get blown up by Air Force. They they only beat App State because they blocked a field goal and returned it for a touchdown. Offensively, they've been kind of a mess. Boise, I don't know, man. Like, they've lost almost every game by one score coming out of the final place. They lost on a Hail Mary last time we saw them, I think, against Colorado State. They have not figured things out. They've got a great running back, Ashton Genty, by the way, if anybody's paid attention to him. But the quarterback situation is a mess. Defense has been okay. I I would not touch this game. I know it's like your lock. I just I don't trust either of these teams. I could see any possible result. Do you know that, that uh, Dan Rubenstein says that winning is a skill? And Wyoming won a game where their quarterback was five for fifteen for thirty one yards and an interception. So we'll I, win. We'll, on this one. We'll, I think they're gonna, they're I've, typically a five hundred team. They're not exactly winning all the. Why time are you yelling? Skill. But at this me year, right now. I'm just this year. Uh, this year, Chris, these teams are different. Chris, uh, what is your lock of the week? Uh, Ohio, the Bobcats are minus seven against Miami of Ohio. The Battle of the Bricks, huge game in the MAC East. However, uh, Miami quarterback Brett Gabbert out for the year, had a leg injury last week in Toledo, and I think that quarterback change. Plus, I think this game is at Ohio. I think I really like Ohio. I think it's a really good team. They blew it again a couple weeks ago against NIU because quarterback threw three interceptions at, at the end of the game. But I think Ohio's Ohio's really good quarterback change at Miami. Going with the Bobcats. Big. I don't know. I don't know about that, Chris. Sicko's game of the week. Dave, who's yours? Well, unfortunately, Iowa is off this week, so we can't lean on the pick an Iowa game. (laughs) They will get as many yards as they usually get, though. I guess I could watch an Iowa practice if I really wanted to. But no, UMass and Army, UMass, like, inexplicably beat what is a pretty good New Mexico State team. Was that week zero, Chris? I believe it was week zero. Yeah, uh, and people were kind of like, "Oh, UMass, Don Brown, Tyson, Pomichon, UMass, oh, UMass fans were real mad yeah. at me. I had them at one thirty three. Yeah. They're like, we're gonna have a good year.' I was like, all right, let you, you proved it week one.' Then they Since that game, they have not. Did you won. move them up to eleven after that? <laughs> Maybe. Since that game, they have not. <laughs> they lost by twenty four to an Arkansas State team that lost seventy three to nothing to Oklahoma, and they're playing a bad Army team that has not scored since October seventh. That was nineteen days ago. Uh, that's as sickos as it gets. Uh, enjoy this one, folks. Enjoy this one. Watch from outside the window with a very gross look on your face. My sickos game of the week is uh, Minnesota, Michigan State. Uh, I have no idea why a human being would want to watch this game. Sorry, Chris. I know you went to Michigan State, unless you enjoy <laughs> trivia on the scoreboard. But other than that, like I don't know, like what, like what you're, what you're watching here. So, uh, and I'm I'm joking about it. Okay, that was absolutely and utterly ridiculous, Chris. Okay, I'm. It's a podcast. I'm like, what are we doing? Michigan State. Come I am on, just man. Ama- I'm just amazed that if you are in, if you are in charge, Hitler aside, if you are in Hitler ch- aside, are, that's yeah. a good way to start <laughs> yeah. a sentence. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's the, yeah, yeah. But if you're in charge of stadium ops, that your best idea for stadium entertainment is just look up a random trivia game on YouTube and just play and not it, watch it on the big yeah. screen for 30, like. Yeah, that clearly you didn't want, or maybe you did, and you just didn't think about how. I don't think the, they did. The they did large we image really, of really, on the really need a picture of the guy. To, I mean, did we? They just I mean, pulled it. I, I, they've they've thought, been doing. They've I been thought, doing it. They've been doing it all year. They just pull. I believe from this specific channel. I think is what they told me. I, I thought the the YouTube channel guy's response was fair, and that it was an appropriate trivia question in a very inappropriate setting. I would say if you have a random YouTube channel, that's fine. But you didn't make that channel with the intention of it being broadcast on a 
stadium PA system. It was, Correct. Listen, it's just it's it's laziness and sloppiness Correct. in terms of like stadium presentation. It's just like what are we? We doing? didn't talk about it on the podcast. I thought it was important to at least make that known. Um, there was somebody I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted last week. What was the biggest takeaway, or what did we learn from last week's college football uh, weekend? And somebody wrote, where Hitler was born. If you didn't know, Hitler was born in Austria. <laughs> if you learned that at the Michigan State game last week by looking at the scoreboard, good for was, you. Okay. For the record, I did know that. I, I did, did yeah, too. I, th- yeah. I, I, yeah. I bet, honestly, a lot of people get that wrong. That was Bunky Perkins who tweeted that. I, my favorite comment of the week was, <laughs> was, it was a Reddit post. It was, man, Ohio State fans must be feeling great about this Michigan drama. And, and one Ohio State fan says, yeah, we love it. A Penn State fan says, yeah, I've completely forgotten about it. I've completely gotten over losing to Ohio State. And a Michigan State fan chimes in and says, I've completely forgotten where Hitler was born. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next to what you're saying. By the way, Sicko's Game of the Week is the perfect pick after that. Mm. Don't get yeah. sicker than that. It is New Mexico at Nevada. Nevada just ended a 16-game losing streak with a win at San Diego State by the score of 6 to nothing. Ugly game last week. They're playing a New Mexico team that has only beaten Tennessee Tech, UMass, and Hawaii. Now, this New Mexico team can move the ball. Can They got their offense coordinator and quarterback from UAB, uh, but uh, this is going to be an ugly game on CBS Sports Network. Uh, what's the last one? The last one is upset a week. Mine was. This should be trap game week as many. My, my, my trap game of the week was, uh, I submitted it too late. So cam couldn't make me a graphic and it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I forgot what it was. So let me well, kick I'll it over to you, you Dave. I, oh, I, I my, think no, my kick, trap game of the week is USC at Cal. I was right. Yeah, that's a good pick, Ari. Cal pick. is... Weird vibes coming out of USC. Lincoln's got pneumonia. Lincoln, yeah. Yeah. Lincoln Riley's missed a couple days of practice. They won't and I don't really, really know if it matters because USC's on pace to lose four or five games anyway, that's maybe. A, I mean, that's a... But like that, everybody a, thought like Cal was the reprieve and the brutal stretch to end the, their schedule. Cal has been fairly functional offensively this year, too. Yes. And their defense stinks. Their coach is like gone with a sickness. Like, I believe it's in Cal, right? It's in Berkeley, right? The game? I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. You're the I'm one gonna, who picked it. I'm the one who did it. There's real I, potential. This is like a, this is a pets, our, our pets' heads are falling off kind of loss here. And you got you Emmanuel Acho saying Lincoln, uh, Caleb should sit out the rest of the season. Yeah, there's just a lot of bad vibes and bad noise coming out of USC right now. It, it's it's not great. I, I Ari, I really do think truly this weekend, because there's so many road favorites, I think we're going to be on here Saturday night talking about a fairly shocking loss and maybe a couple of them. Uh, my trap game is Tulane at Rice. Don't be these people, Tulane. You got the world in front of you. You might be able to chase down Air Force. You're a week away from seeing what you got to do to get to the New Year's Six again. You could pass up Air Force. It's going to be a tight race, I think, Chris. Would you say it's probably fair? It'll be tight. It will be. You I just don't keep think, winning. I don't think an undefeated Air Force gets left out. Um, but I, but I just, I think Tulane's going to get the spot. I think it's a really, yeah. really good Tulane team. They've had a yeah. couple of clunkers. They started off slow against UAB. They played with their food late against North Texas. Um, yeah. I think it's a good trap game pick going to Rice. Just which be is, careful. Which is right. playing, Rice, which is is like, Rice is like, Rice is like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing about like teams that play grab ass or like this whole instance of, or this whole like wave now of people saying playing with their food. And it's like literally <laughs> what we make yeah. fun of Dave for doing every week. <laughs> like you play with your food every single week. 
Um, I don't know that Tulane is good enough to refer to anybody as food. They're a good team, but like I pretty much reserve that phrase for like unless you're playing with an FCS team or you're like a top eight team playing against a team in the bottom half of your conference that like you shouldn't you don't have to beat them 60 to nothing. But like the 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 outcome should not be in doubt after like the fifth, the first quarter. Yeah, my tribe game. We already said it Wisconsin, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Tulane's playing rice, so they literally could be playing with their food this weekend. That's true. <laughs> uh, all oh, right, guys. I think that's the oh, thing. Shout out to the rice gummy worm guy. Speaking of playing with your food, rice has a guy on the sideline who yeah. gives yeah. out gummy worms to the players like he's a, a salt bay, essentially. And <laughs> I, I think rice said they're going to give out trolley is jumped in. They're going to give out gummy worms to like the first 2000 students or something like that. So shout out to the rice Gummy is worm guy like, literally playing during food. youth football. They used to give you sliced oranges at halftime to like try to like rejuvenate. Remember, like during youth football, that was like the they would <laughs> yeah. slice the oranges and everybody would eat the oranges to potassium. like potassium. I don't know if that was is that like a youth football thing or is that just an Arizona thing? I don't I know if that happened. Sports, it's a youth sports thing. Oh, okay, because I didn't know if it was like te- like hydration attempts too, but being in the heat. Oh man, that was a good show. I thought a hundred one hour and twenty minutes. Thank you guys so much for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. We will be live again on Saturday night, Dave and I, um, when the dust settles on what I think might be grab-ass Saturday. Um, we'll see. Big upset. I, there's um, going to be a big upset coming this week. I'm telling you. Too many people not away from home playing against competent teams. Somebody's going down. I don't know who. but Someone's going down like a sweet muffin this weekend. You heard it from him. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll be notified when new episodes go up. We always appreciate five-star reviews and ratings, uh, comments, shares, you know, anything that you can do to support the podcast, interact with the podcast, everything uh, helps it grow, means a lot to us. And the next time we talk to you again, like I said, will be Saturday night. For Chris, Dave, I'm Ari. Thank you for listening. Bring back the turnover chain, and there's nothing wrong with putting your nuts in the oven. Don't put your nuts in the oven. Put your nuts in the oven.